0: Hello and welcome to Rule of Three, a podcast about
2: comedy. I'm Joel Morris. I'm not paying attention. <laughs> I'm <as> Jason <laughs> Hazley. I'm paying attention now, sorry.
0: And, and as usual, we're joined by someone who makes comedy to talk about something funny that they love. By taking it apart, maybe we'll learn something about how comedy works or we'll just quote bits from it and giggle until we're finished. Both approaches are valid. Our special guest today is the lovely Simon Evans. Thank you very much. Hello. Hey, hello, hello Simon. I'm
3: delighted to be here. Thank you. We've just Excellent. been clearing
0: our passages before we start. We
3: have, blowing out the ambiguity. I was just saying, I've only, I'm have only. i a 54 and I've only really quite recently learned how to really snore. I mean I could occasionally give off the odd snort, but I've really I've started waking myself up recently and you seem to be able to access a reservoir of mucus which <laughs> I've previously been oblivious to. I assumed at first that I was developing a cold, but it's not. It's just always it's there and it's just wow. been waiting.
0: Yeah. This is background mucus. I, background <laughs> yes, radiation. Yes, exactly. I wonder if any medical fit people...
3: used mucus from previous you know that it's already been used to clean out my nose or other
0: passages is you it, know isn't it that every piece of mucus you You've got has been previously sneezed by Alexander the Great. <laughs> uh, <yes.
3: laughs> to, Julius a cycle. That, and a London rat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it, it contains
2: a certain amount of cocaine. Is that,
3: yes. yeah. <laughs> I wonder whether you that probably is true. do. You
2: think your pipes kind of loosen up as you get older or something? Well, I wonder. There must be a reason. What definitely
3: does for it. happen is I think that the jaw recedes more because the cure for snoring I've discovered, because I sent off for one, is a sort of thing that looks like a. It looks like computer representation of a set of dentures, you right. know, but just transparent. Well, A bit like a gum shield that you yes. bite into when it's warm and then it sets around your mat. And you wear it and then you click the bottom mandible forward and that <laughs> you're sleeping <laughs> like a Habsburg, basically, I from like then that. on. Oh, but and, so, uh, like, my And then my you can't draw. If you lie that, you're, you're this more... Well, that's actually p- just a... A fair amount of chin. Well, no, I've, got a bit, itself, I've got a thing
2: it? called a class three bite, where oh, right. the where the class bo- three the class three it's where the bottom judgmental. teeth are ahead of the top teeth. Because right. I had an accident when I was a kid and it smashed my. Does face that crop up
3: on police descriptions of you?
2: Um, I see one male, class three,
3: bites. <laughs> <laughs> <I don't know. laughs>
2: you can be identified by your dental records, if I kill you, you. That's quite
3: good. <laughs> Especially yes. if you manage to take a chunk out of his arm before he does. <laughs> <so. Yeah. laughs> but that's how it does. So I don't know whether maybe you'll never snore, I don't know. But no, 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 no. And I can actually do it. It's quite uncomfortable, the, the, the snoring mechanism, the anti-snoring mechanism. You don't want to really have it in all night. and it's you like wearing a, up with a certain amount of Yes, exactly, yeah. Oof. But you know, some nights it really genuinely wakes me up. You know, my own because I've quite a you know, and even with <laughs> plugs in, obviously there's the yeah. internal. Yeah, going <laughs> <laughs> to have to have my ears triple glazed on yeah. the inside. As well?
2: You can't get away from your internal you reverberations. Really can, can, can when you?
3: when your own ear, nose, and throat. Tract is yeah. is home to the sound that's
0: making. It. <laughs> is it, you're in is a it a like hearing situation. your own voice on tape? And no one likes to hear their own snore. No,
3: that's right. God, it's really they, embarrassing. They do. That's another. That's another system for curing it that is available. Something that plays it back to you into your own ears, oh but with a slight kind of gap
0: or something. I think. So, just... like noise cancelling headphones. Yes. Yes. But, yeah, but with yeah. snoring. Yeah. Sorry, I, I remember. I, I don't snore that much, but I do, I, that thing of just having something in your mouth that's uncomfortable. I'd fear yeah. having to have a snoring thing because I remember I had. Uh, a retainer orthodontic thing, like a lot of people did of yeah. my generation. Shows your teeth. Because I've, I've, yeah. I've, I've only got 28 teeth because that take oh, really? loads out. Cause I've, uh, remarkable, I've got very how, small How many amount. are you supposed to have? 32, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, I've got four taken out to, to fit the adult jaw. And I remember that happening, being given this thing that went through my mouth. Right? Yes. At exactly the point, I was at my most self-conscious. Right, yeah. okay, now in front of other people <laughs> at school, when you're just trying to find a place, we would like <laughs> all the time. And this will <laughs> do wonders for your development and it was a really cruel thing to do to teenagers to stuff something in their mouth to stop them communicating. You see,
3: it's an interesting you know, people always say to stand up, so were you the class clown? And <laughs> to somebody who's made their career writing comedy, so were you the class clown but crippled by. Had to write it down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it <was> like, <laughs> had to express yourself entirely through words. Yeah, but it was, it was a really cruel thing. It, uh, when you're self conscious, the number of things that yeah. happened to you at that age, when you. Uh, we're going to talk about something teenage today. Yeah. You sort of say, stuffing things in your mouth. I remember that being a really primal thing, That at the moment I went hey, I think I've got this, I'm growing up, I'm getting taller. And they went, just, we're going to stuff something to stop you communicating.
2: Yeah. Really yeah, which it which gummed up with food, didn't it, as well? It yeah. was Mine was a plate with wires on it that I had on my top set of teeth, and it was there to drag my top set of teeth forward, which didn't work, as you can tell, because I've just told you, top bottom So all it did was just it left fight. me in pain for about three years, because it just <laughs> really fucking hurt. Yeah. Really Well, I,
3: I didn't have one, but my, my daughter has a, a retainer uh, set at the moment. Maybe I'm getting some insight into why she's so bloody grumpy all the
0: well, time. Yeah. Be. Be. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine, like most dental things, it's better than the ones we had. As you look at them, it's like watch yeah, you look back. On it, it's a bit like was when you yours see...
3: Bluetooth.
0: I uh, know. It's, uh, <laughs> no, it's more like sort of battlefield medicine. It's those things like go to the, go, go and see the cutty Sark.
3: Well, until the Crimean War, of course, <laughs> most soldiers were expected just, just to sort of com- commandeer their own teeth. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not that brutality. I remember avoiding going to the dentist for ages. Uh, having all those gaps in your I think it was thirty to forty, going, oh, I just don't If I don't go, my teeth will be fine. Yeah. And then going back and finding out, like you do when you get a new car, it's completely changed. I turned up and went, This is gonna be the most frightening thing in the world and you, and the technology has leapt forwards yeah. and the, the jab doesn't hurt and the dentist does it in two seconds. Everything has changed because you opted out of it for a bit. And,
2: yeah, the, yeah. and the big thing, the big change, because I didn't go to the dentist for a shameful twenty-seven years. I think I avoided wow. going to the dentist, and after I went they categorised your jaw. After after they spent oh, years rebuilding my mouth, and, yeah. and it was just so traumatic, and yeah, I just ran away. Yeah. But the big thing I noticed when I went back to the dentist is that the pink drink is green. Wow, Whoa. it's gone green. I hadn't noticed that.
3: Yeah. No, is is that that's not invor- pink. Where I am, I'm NHS. Are you NHS? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hey. Hello and welcome to Rule of Teeth. <laughs> <laughs> it is all sorts of teeing up the. Uh... It is. I,
0: mean, I mean, we're, we're talking about like social embarrassment and things. We'll talk about red hands later on. Um, we were delighted, by the way, you mentioned this, I think, in passing on Twitter, and we suddenly said, yes. Oh my God, we have to, to get a, you into to talk a about grandchild.
3: This. I think his daughter. I think. Oh, is it, it is might it, is his daughter. daughter.
0: Yes, right. okay. I think you, you were nattering about it and just oh. said, in passing, Jack Rosenthal, what a hero. And yes. we just piled on because he's a huge hero of ours and then thought, well, we have to do some. Yes, so thank yes. you for, for even mentioning him. I don't think it occurred to us that either we would do it on here or, if, or we'd find a, another fan.
3: No, you wouldn't, wouldn't automatically put him into the pure comedy bracket, I suppose, would you? Although it's the comedy in it that uh, lifts it above the, the rest of 1970s and 80s television standalone play output, I would yeah, say, yeah. by and large. You know, it, is, apart it is from a- the Le and Clemont.
2: But it's. Um, it, yeah. it's, but it's, it's your, Sorry, por- you've made them sound like a wine. I know, <laughs> I, know, I, know I want a bottle of Clément Le <laughs> <laughs> But It not- pairs beautifully with a cold porridge. <laughs> <laughs> know, yes.
0: But he's, he sits between, Jack Rosenthal sits between the sitcom people, yeah. who you go, Clément Le and things, who did comedy dramas like Alfred de Zayn Patton and things and would do yes. single plays and things. They did. Rosenthal sits there between that and the Bleasdale, Dennis Potter, yeah. Wednesday play people. And I, I've always claimed him for the comedy side yes. because yeah. he's got a Victoria Woody kind of Alan Bennett tone to him. Yeah. But then you look at his output and you go, he's part of the single play, the serious television dramatist.
3: He, he was sort of, I mean, if, if it was portraits, there's a little bit of a sort of Norman Rockwell about him, isn't yeah. there? That it, yeah. it's, it's comedic, almost like a, a, a fully evolved newspaper cartoon, and yet when you look back 100 years ago, those are the pictures that tell you something about yeah. the time much more than Jasper Johns or something would be, you know, as a as an expression of what was actually happening in the society at that time. So I think his intention was comedic, but his eye was just so good he couldn't help, you know, taking beautiful snapshots as well.
0: Well, he was described in Philip Purse's obit in The Guardian as the Charles Dickens of television. I think that's a very good tone for him because Dickens is comic and dramatic and regarded as the greatest novelist and the portraitist of his era. Yes. And there's what's happened strangely since um, Jack Rosenthal is a divide in comedy and drama that keeps being attempted to be crossed back over in a quite clumsy way when actually what Rosenthal sings to is the thing of saying these are totally integrated.
3: It's interesting, the Dickens thing, isn't it? Because that's one of those... I mean, that was always... He's like the... uh... In the same way that during the 80s, everyone wanted to be the letterman, the British letterman, you know, and then, mm. like in television, everyone wants to be the new Dickens, but never, you know, it was always the new the new, the new Dylan. Yeah. Springsteen was the new Dylan, and it's, everyone has that period if you're slightly too poetic in your lyrical intent, you know, <laughs> a, if your rhymes run over the end of a line, then you're always know, oh, the new Dylan. But um, I'm not sure about. For me, I love uh, Dickens, um, perhaps slightly more in principle than in reality. I've probably actually only read three books, but I'm a massive fan in principle, you know, yeah. and every time I do read it, I think it's tremendous. But what, he was really lurid, grotesque caricatures, wasn't it? I mean, that was... Yeah. I read Bleak House quite recently, and even that, which is one of the more serious ones, I think, nevertheless, you know, everyone is, like, defined by quite monstrous characteristics. Ro- Rosenthal is much more nuanced. Than miniatures. Everyone. Yeah, miniatures, exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's more in tune with an Alan Bennett kind of sensibility. In that respect, he, he doesn't well.
2: really write grotesques, does he? he, I, he I don't Rosenthal. think so. Not no. At all.
3: They might one or two of them might appear to be and then they're humanized uh, a little he's bit. He has got too much empathy, I think. Yeah. I mean,
0: he's he's very human. He's his background, uh, he started out writing uh, Coronation Street. 129 episodes of Coronation Street he, he, he wrote Coronation Street episode 31 wow which, you know, you're in right at the ground floor that's he went, went to Tony Warren I wonder Warren. if he
3: felt he was in at the ground floor at 31
0: I, I thought <laughs> oh. <laughs> I missed the classic years
1: I
3: missed the classic <laughs> eps
0: but yeah he, he wrote to Tony Warren so I'd like to have a go and he ended up writing 129 of these and that's a very good way of I mean, soap training especially yeah. if something as good as Coronation Street was is a great way of being sympathetic to characters. And that was
3: comedic. In, I mean, totally, I, I believe yeah. it yeah. still is. I don't watch it now. Is it still on now? I don't yeah, know it still it, runs, yeah. yeah. And
0: it's always the funniest of It was of a law
3: massive law. class divider. My nan used to watch Coronation <laughs> Street and it was an embarrassment to my uh, newly <laughs> lower middle class <laughs> parents. <laughs> I think that,
0: the, but, uh, he wrote, that one of the characters he wrote in there was, I don't know, I don't know I'm not a huge Corrie fan, but uh, Arthur Lowe had a part in that. Did and you he de- really? He developed wow. a very, very good character you know for, in, for Arthur Lowe in Coronation Street. Speaking
3: with a Northern accent? So he With then spun off
0: right. into a sitcom. Oh. And that sitcom, where he was a slightly pompous man, was the thing that probably got in the Dad's Army gig. Right. So Rosenthal wow. developed a character for Arthur Lowe that then went off to yeah. basically set one of the standards for British sitcom. Yeah. So he's got this crossover into comedy, but he's definitely a drama writer.
3: I think I think saying he's a coronate, he's the coronation street of standalone plays, I mean, that, that <laughs> works with you. don't need to recommend Dickens at that point. You know, you, you've yeah. shaken off that.
0: And the, the play you've chosen to bring in is one that's really, really close to me and Jason, definitely. It's one of the things, I, one of the earliest VHSs I wrote on the side, I
2: think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, you know, I, I very often catch myself on this podcast by sheer fortune saying, oh, this is my favourite thing that so-and-so has done, or I absolutely love this program but I have to say this film I love with my whole heart I've always absolutely loved it it made such a big impression on me when yeah, I saw it yeah. and I-, I could watch it again and again and I have and it is <laughs> Patanian Kippabang
1: Kipper <Ugh>. LAUGHTER <laughs>
3: sort of indifference with which you have to utter the final grunt. Yeah. It was, and it was, yeah. it was slightly modulated throughout the, sh- throughout the show, slightly different. It would always reflect the, the mood slightly. Yeah. It both could be given up grudgingly or enthusiastic, but, but never with real jubilant triumphalism. It if was still a job. Yeah. It's <laughs> one of those catchphrases
0: that's become like a chore.
2: <laughs> Can you imagine getting anything away today with the title Batangian Kipperbang, Bang, by the way? Let's go from the front, shall we? It would be I called mean, The School Children.
3: Well, it would be investigated, I suppose, wouldn't it? It would be inspected and scrutinised, and I suppose if you were to investigate it and scrutinise it as a a, a schoolboy, potentially you might find
0: something there, I don't know. Well, this something like, it reminded me of, isn't it... Uh, in
3: Kipper Bang, at what,
0: least. <laughs> what, yes, I suppose so. It's a bit sort of four of fish and finger pie. Exactly, yeah. There's there's another great school drama called Unman, Wittering and Zygo, isn't there? There's something about doing school stuff because what yeah. you're basically saying is, eh, it's just about life. That In order to make it seem a bit more exotic, you think of a really weird, fascinating title for it that makes it sound like a detective series or this <laughs> sounds like, I don't know, something set in, in Middle Earth or something. Yes. Weirdly, I remember it drawing me in and thinking, what's that thing? Because you've heard the title, you've seen it on the listings in the yeah. TV times or whatever. It would make you watch it probably more than... I fir- think... First Love is the se- title of the whole series. If it had just been called First Love, I probably wouldn't have seen uh, it.
3: Oh, was it? With, 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 and what, another yeah. playwrights? He was,
0: he was the script editor of a thing called First Love that was right. Channel 4, uh, the first drama commission that Channel 4 did. This was night two of Channel 4 in 1982. Uh. This went out as, I imagine, the first one of a series of plays about First Love.
3: Oh, I didn't remember that. That's interesting. Mm. I mean, this is that's the sort of thing I was worried I wouldn't know when I came here because I know that you've <laughs>
0: had this kind of hinterland. Of, I've been to of, of Wikipedia,
3: <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> but that is interesting because I remember watching it with my mother and father, and they were very enthusiastic. My father loved it as well, and I always enjoyed watching anything that we both laughed at the same time, as it and that sort yeah. of thing. And it. It's quite interesting. I think we would have seen the the play title would certainly have leapt out at us. The seeing that it was written by Jack Rosenthal would have been an immediate confirmation that we were we were on safe ground. Yep. But I think that would have helped us cross over to Channel Four. Because I think there was some suspicion about Channel Four in our household in exactly the same way that there previously <laughs> had been about Coronation Street. Yeah. You know, there was a little bit of you know, I didn't necessarily have the lefty sort of pornographer of the nation, uh, um, yeah, no you but know, slander attached to it yet. Yeah, but,
2: uh, but it was unknown, and it was the youngster, yeah. so it could well have it could well have been the first pierced channel. You yes, know?
3: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas in fact it couldn't have been more reassuring, could it? You know, no, as, no. As, as content, I mean that's the thing. It is entirely lovable, and yet it could quite easily have been quite dated because obviously it was. It was a bit like a Happy Days thing in itself, anyway. That yeah. it was. I remember. I don't know if this makes sense to you, but I remember watching Happy Days with mates. Really confused as to whether this was set now and yeah. this is what yeah. America was like now, or is this why is this? Like, a Greece yes. it's an old yeah exactly like Greece, yeah Greece, Greece is a nineteen
0: seventies disco version of the fifties really <laughs> exactly on, yeah. on the Bee Gees in Greece and the Newton
3: John who's yeah. clearly a thirty year old Australian <laughs> <laughs> yeah. one,
0: of, one of the great advantages one of the, the joys of this and there were a lot of school dramas around the time one's, other ones that I love I love Dutch Girls by William Boyd is a wonderful oh it's uh, great isn't it uh, what this has got in common with something like Gregory's Girl yes. is that they cast it to the right age. from the moment you first see the lead character's face you go, oh my god, he's 14 and I think uh, the girl who's the the love interest is 13 or 14, they are exactly the right age and it it makes it a very different thing than Please Sir
3: Well the only other one that I immediately thought of when it came back on and I'd forgotten that I remembered at the time that I associated it with this was Swalk which um, was a movie with Jack Wilde, most famously, but also Mark Lester. And I can't remember the name of the girl, um, which is uh, dreadful of me. They were the two on which I kind of tragically created my template for teenage romance, you know. (laughs) know, I decided to be thwarted in exactly that manner, you know.
0: (laughs) This is how heroically (laughs) you failed.
3: But I felt I did... You know, I, I genuinely registered that kind of level of uh, association and, um, you know, you, you entered the character at that uh, It's point. got
0: yeah. a lot in common with Gregory's Girl. It would make a really nice yeah. old double bill. It's got a nice Bill Forsythy yeah. understanding of it. But it's set, like you said, like Happy Days in 1948, it's set in Rosenthal's actual childhood. Yeah. And the period detail is really nice. It's quite lightly worn. I've read... I've read Oh, I've got to read a horrible review in Time Out, which I'll read bits of as we go through this. Uh, Time Out, who I have used to have a policy of, if Time Out didn't like something I'd go and see it. <laughs> uh, and it says, it says a, a flimsy premise, an all too easily nostalgic movie whose production values and period detail are overstated to the point of cliche. Which is this in a recent Time Out film guide? It's or if a... you look up this on the Time Out yeah. website, that's the review they're happy with. Wow. And I couldn't disagree more. Hang
2: on a second, production values. This is produced by David Leland and directed by Michael Apted, Apted who yeah, directed yes. Seven Up and all the yeah. other yeah. The other and thing, they're complaining about the production values. How fucking dare they?
0: What it is Are they doing? It is a beautiful film. It's all on film. Yep. So what, one of the lovely things if you're watching an old play, yeah. one of the big advantages, if it's all on film, you will not go, Oh god, they're in a studio. It's got a lovely Plangent, soft focus—that's perfect for teenage nostalgia. And it's about first love, so it needs to be shot like this. Ne- those close-ups of the child's face, yeah, and everyone is is achingly soft. And everything I saw—I mean, I, having watched
3: it again in preparation for this—and um, and bought the DVD, but I hadn't—I don't think I'd seen it in years, and I don't think we had a VHS copy. And yet, it felt like I'd previously watched it the previous week. It just—it was yeah. immediately yep. so present there. Yep. I think that's a pretty good sign about it's a great sign, like isn't production it? values and things that you remember every scene and every. Oh God! Yes, I'd forgotten this bit. But as soon as you, yeah, you see
2: it. I'm doing double Cicero with hand farting or something. (laughs) Yeah, I thought I I knew that was there somewhere. I'd forgotten that I, for about ten years, I used to regularly say bloody hell and scrotum, which is exactly (laughs) from this script, isn't it? I remember Alison Steadman
3: shouting beasts of the field. (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's, got, it's got that lovely turn of phrase. One of the things that's really yeah. interesting about Jack Rosenthal, he is a comedy writer, and he writes comedy, he writes funny dialogue. And this opens with the mum calling up to, to the kid what he's going to have for breakfast, because he stopped eating, which is a lovely little subject. <laughs> Obviously, he's pining away yes. for this girl. He yeah. stopped eating. And there's that lovely line...
1: A few cornflakes wouldn't hurt you.
0: I know Thursdays
4: are difficult for you, but with the girls having double domestic science while we're on double PT... But if just somehow... I don't think I can last out another day.
1: If I made you fresh air on toast,
0: if I made you fresh air on toast, would you eat the toast? <laughs> but it's shouted up the stairs, so you have to concentrate yeah. to hear it. Yeah. It's not front and centre funny lines. It's
3: almost like a Beano strip, in yeah. which little speech bubbles are intruding from yes. people who aren't yes. going to appear, isn't it? It's it not, very like a Beano strip. At it's the not
0: game. on the front foot. He allows it, he allows the comic dialogue very often to be little passing notes rather than a gag. They're not the end of a line, they're not yeah. They're not the finish. They're, they're flavours on the way somewhere. And when you read his scripts on the page... I was reading a couple of them uh, in preparation for this, they're not full of great lines, but they're full of space in which a great actor will be able to get a laugh. (laughs) Which is really, really really clever to know that you're going to cast this well. Brackets goes, business here. (laughs) The big thing with this is, unlike when you read a a comic script or an observationally comic script by a new writer, Mm. they're very often very keen to show off. And this is a play, like most of his stuff, written by someone who's written 250 plays. He's got his reputation. He can let it sit back and yeah. it gives it that lovely comedy drama feel. It gives it a realism because people do talk like this. The structure
3: is, is always very, very sound, isn't it? And I did notice when I, one of the yeah. other ones I watched again in preparation was uh, Another Sunday and Sweet FA, which has a similarity in this respect that uh, Another Sunday and Sweet FA is about uh, uh, an ex-footballer who never quite achieved his dreams and um, is now a Sunday League ref. And he is just on the other side, I suppose, of virile manhood, in yeah. the same sense that our young lad in Pattaya is uh, sort of approaching it. So they're both men who are quite who are sort of shut out slightly from the the rude world of the sort of boisterous changing room, and so on. <laughs> yeah. But it starts in exactly the same way. He is actually leaving his house on Sunday morning and his wife is calling to him as he sort of buckles up his briefcase and there are a couple of lads having a scrap and they've sort of rolled into his front garden. And What it seems to suggest in both cases to me is that our main protagonist is a bit of a dreamer And there are voices of reality and pragmatism constantly hectoring and and sort of attempting to sort of penetrate his mental world. world. Very Waterhouse and Hall. Yeah, yeah. And so you immediately feel a sort of tenderness for this this young soul or this ageing soul who isn't quite made for the the brutal world.
4: Mother, I'm not a child.
1: Can you best and shorts?
4: Mother, I'm fourteen.
1: Pound to a penny, you didn't blanco your plimsolls.
2: He likes writing people leaving their house at the yes. front of the day. Yes, watch ready when you are, Mr. McGill. <laughs> yeah, right. That opens yes. with the, the, the guy extra. who is the extra yes. just le- tre- learning his lines in bed then leaving his house. You know? Well it's
3: I suppose it's Route One, isn't it? It's it there is and route, back it? again, it's the hobbit, isn't it? But yep.
2: uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's very like the opening of Billy Liar is almost analogous to this, isn't it? It's young boy in bed fantasizing. Yeah. That's it. It's, 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 while it's, his it. mum downstairs shouts for him.
3: You've and got promi- a vulnerable and promising dreamer. he won't wank if he can just <laughs> have a kiss. Yes. Dear
0: God, he's he's talking to God. I kept forgetting how many lovely devices that are on this even down to the, the, the kids having their own language like batang and, and bang there's all these ideas in it that are very authentic one of them is him lying in bed talking to God interspersed with the commentary of John Arlott yes. which in my mind I think remembering I'd got them mixed up and I thought bizarrely that John Arlott was God but <laughs> they are blurred <laughs> are there's, there's an all-seeing narrator which is there's a lovely moment where, where John Arlott is commentating because he's a big cricket fan yeah. and he's commentating and he's using real cricketers names and it's real Bradman and everyone's in there
5: Spencer then, snatches the ball out of the air from Evan's throw, polishes it on that not inconsiderable chest of his, and prepares this giant of a man to bowl yet again to Don Bradman. And with Bradman, 63, and Australia dismaying 235 for one, here he comes, gathering pace, gathering strength, pounding, pounding powerfully up to the wicket, and he bowls. And Bradman, yet again, hooks him convulsively for four. And Bedser's shoulders drooping, grimaces philosophically at no one in particular.
0: And then, at point about two thirds of the way through, a third of the way through, he mentions the kid's name, Duckworth. Quite, quite Duckworth. Yes. And you realise it's not a sample. Of John Arlott. No, it's he's actually really him John Arlott, yes. yeah. oh, which is just oh, it's as magic as finding out that Michael Caine didn't wasn't who's sampled this young on the lad, Madness.
3: Thirteen-year-old lad, and he's got the weight of the nation's expectations <laughs> on his shoulders. Oh, it's
0: <laughs> it's this this is voice that booms over it all. Yeah. The whole theme of the thing is about as you said. It's about going into adulthood. What kind of a man are you going to be? Are you going to be a man? What sort? What sort of a a body are you going to grow into? It's all about. It literally is a coming-of-age drama. Probably one of the most on-the-nose coming-of-age dramas. Well, the
3: scales fall from from his eyes in two respects, don't they? One in terms of his interaction with the girl, which is the main one, but also the man he set up as a sort of hero. The superhero. Tommy the
2: groundsman. Tommy the groundsman, But that's where John
0: Arlott fits in, because he's got these heroes, and they are war heroes, and they are sporting heroes, exactly like a boy who read The Victor or The Magnet would have had. He's got these 1940s post-war baby boomer heroes. And during the run of the play, his expectations of those get dented. But the voice at the beginning says, you want to be the sort of man who John Arlott will talk about. Yeah. This is the the dream that you would be so heroic that even John Arlott would know who you were. And that's in his head. And then added to that is his relationship with the groundskeeper, where this guy is the guy... I love the constant list of the places that the groundskeeper says he's fought at.
4: So what you and all the other Tommies did, what you all did with our gallant allies and comrades across the seas and Commonwealth and that, facing the foe in whatever theatres of human conflict... To, to, where was it? Where was what? The Theatres of Human Conflict. You know, where you fought. Oh, uh, Dunkirk, El Alamein, Battle of the Bulge and Burma. Dunkirk, El Alamein, the Battle of the Bulge and Burma. What you did was not just defeat Hitler's Germany and Japan's Japan. I mean, let's face it. You change the future of the
3: world. Look, watch your tours. You're on your way a bit. Sorry. Yes. You've got it. Dunkirk, Gallipol, I mean, Battle of the Bulge and Burma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the most incredible tour it, of duty. It should have tr- triggered some alarm bells, but I
0: suppose for a yeah. <laughs> fourteen-year-old boy, but it's, those, those clues are there. And his relationship with that that guy who is his hero and he loves, and the guy is clearly broken yeah. for some secret reason. And you talked about structure. This is a beautifully structured thing. There is an A plot, a B plot, and a C plot, and they just run. There's I want to kiss the girl. There's what's going on with the teacher and her sex life and who is this guy and what's his secret. A, B and C, pure sitcom, played over an hour and 17 minutes. Plus...
2: A, a, a thing that Rosenthal does again and again and again in his writing—a Greek chorus, yes. which in this case is the two guys digging the road. Yes, he, he loves putting a Greek they're chorus. They're so great, in. aren't they? They're brilliant. Popping his they? little
3: head up, they're literally in a hole and they stick their little heads up yeah. like, <laughs> like, like sort of almost animal kind yeah. of like yeah. kind of Stattler like and Waldorf. Kind
0: of, <laughs> yeah. One of them's a
2: yeah. the guy from the Bill, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I can't yes, the that's right, yeah, yeah. Eric Thingy.
0: And it, he pops his head up at his eye The blade. Very lean. I yes. blame Dickie Valentine.
4: Ah! Bloody hellfire and scrotums! Millions of pounds on education.
5: Oh. It'll be with him living under the shadow of the bomb, I expect. Oh.
0: And he's got a thing, which he does again in Ready When You Are Mr. McGill, where he's got his Greek chorus are rude mechanicals. There's a Shakespearean, people who are proper labourers. So there's a wild fantasist, like, for instance, the film crew in Ready When You Are Mr. McGill, mm. who are doing something silly or whatever. And there are working men, like the, the, the removal men in the chain, yeah. who commentate on it from a point of view of a different class. And they're looking... I mean, this kid's a grammar school kid. It's quite yeah. a nice school. Um, And so you go, well, he's sort of affluent, lower middle to middle class to upper middle class. And there are people watching him going, what a life this pampered fop is living. (laughs) It's a good good contrast in a
3: way because the uh, two, the the, the men in the hole (laughs) are an actual chorus... To which the boy is oblivious. Yes. While he's got John Arlott in his head, <laughs> providing his uh, providing this, like, uh, imagined class. chorus. <laughs> yeah, <he's> got, <laughs> Less critical. And here comes the third... And he's like... Well, they're actually looking at him, what the hell is he... Yeah, he actually tries to bowl a ball at the beginning, doesn't he, and, and sends his papers everywhere. You know? Yeah. But he's <laughs> totally lost in it, but...
2: The two kids, the two young actors, John Albusini and uh, Abigail Cruttenden, they mm. they photograph so
3: well, don't they?
2: They just look fantastic. Abigail's a really beautiful.
3: She knows she's in um, not going out now. Is she? You know that you know it's also Hal Cruttendon's sister. I oh, guess, yes, I you know knew it was that. Hal's sister. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she's been in the last four series. I think of not going out since they, which I write for, so I've no. sort of kept an eye on it. Which um, they've now they are married and still not going out, <laughs> and um, have children. So she's married to Hugh Dennis, Abigail Cruttendon now, ah. which is kind of. In, I did sort of think, is that them grown growing up? up? Yeah. yeah. Well, John,
0: <laughs> John Albusini who plays who plays quite uh, quite plays Alan. Yeah, I looked up I found the rest of his credits, and charmingly, he has kept working. He's has a bit actor. My yeah. favorite. Role for him. He's the helicopter pilot in The World Is Not Enough, the Pierce Brosnan James wow. Bond film directed by Michael Apted. No! Who, oh, who wow. bless him, phoned him back and said, do you want to be in a Bond film? Like, the ultimate thing that Quack Quack would have dreamt of. Absolutely. He gets oh, to be wow. a pilot in a Bond film.
3: And here he is, the 48-year-old lad. <laughs> Piloting his <laughs> helicopter with Pierce Brosnan in back. I suppose I had a tiny criticism of. Her character is, I suppose, enigmatic, slightly sort of Garbo-esque that you want to put... Even as a schoolboy, you project your own thoughts onto her. It was a slightly odd denouement, how she reacts to not being kissed on on stage.
0: I love that, in that he has put her on a pedestal throughout. Yeah. And then when he decides he can't kiss her... I mean, structurally, if you haven't seen this this, play, the, the structure is there are three moments he could kiss her and they get tenser and tenser and tenser. things keep getting in the way of a kiss at the school play where he is scripted to kiss her. the one thing he wants to do he has to at some point on the instructions of his strict teacher, give yeah. her a kiss—the one thing he wants—and then rain stops playing. And each, it, yeah, time. each yeah. time he is, he's
3: thwarted at that moment. The fact that he's actually named after a system for a, a, uh, applying scores yep. to a cricket match yep. in which rain yeah. has stopped playing—I yeah. Yeah, I don't think that was
0: accidental. But. But yeah, so he's <laughs> the crucial points are: is he going to kiss her? And yeah. he doesn't kiss her at the last moment. He shakes her hand. Yes. The funny... <laughs> Watching it, I'd forgotten and having, what happened.
3: Having, of course, you've watched him in—in in like you've watched snatches and vignettes from the final triumph production in which his acting is tremendous. And yeah. he delivers a couple of lines really well. So he's going really well. He could yeah, he's do it. motoring at But this he point. shakes yeah. her hand,
0: which is a lovely moment. It's very, very funny. And also, he has said before, the thing he's most insecure about is he's got red hands, That's sore, true. sweaty hands. Yes. So yes. he's even prepared to put his sweaty hands, rather than kiss her, he's prepared to embarrass himself. He does it in front of the whole school, staring at him. He has performance anxiety. Yes. And he shakes her hand. And then her reaction is beautiful, because... She's not the cheerleader. None of the other boys fancy her. She is the subject of his fascination. Weirdly, I think she's almost too beautiful in this to sell convincingly as someone who's a weird crush for him. Yeah. But when she is revealed in her character, she chases after him. why did you do that? Suddenly she's alive, and you go, she was way more complicated and interesting than you gave her credit for.
4: Why didn't you want to kiss me? Am I that grotesque? To the nth degree.
0: She wasn't just on a pedestal. She had her own opinions and suddenly she's got her own voice. He earns her love by rejecting it. And she yeah. suddenly goes, well, why? Because you look mm. like you... Am I
2: grotesque to the nth degree? That's she asks it. She if...
0: suddenly... You realised that all the way through this, she was hurt and thought she was being rejected and was... Because she's been flirting with the good-looking boy in the class, that the, the heartthrob of 4B. Jeffrey. <laughs> Jeffrey, the heartthrob of 4B. Uh, you think that she thinks she's of that standard, but actually she realised that she doesn't think she's of that standard. She's got the same anxieties as he's got. And she's not revealed to be that person until the moment the entire yeah. Schrodinger's edifice collapses.
3: Yeah, it, I mean, abs- and that's a perfectly reasonable explanation. And, and yet, uh, I think, f- if I'm honest, at the moment when it happened, I thought, I thought it was very funny yeah. that he shook hands with her, but I thought her reaction was, yeah, I, mean, I, I just up. remember some girls like that, and that's not <laughs> how they would have reacted if I yeah. had refused been... to them. They were like, well, fuck you, then. <laughs> On... I'll go back to... Uh...
0: The deeper the deeper of the, the female characters is the one played by Frances Raphael. Who, who's the girl who yes. will let yes. everyone hug her? Yes, she, she was, of course, UK Eurovision entry, 1994, Frances Raffel Of course, yes, as we all she know really she was in Les Mis as well. Yeah. I think she played the lead it's in Les Mis Lots in of stage. That's course. where
3: the Beat of the Field thing comes. Yeah, from, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. They, they're her very her. Soon, <laughs> close <laughs> to the <laughs> my, I think stop hugging her. Almost, my I think my favourite character in it, Alison Steadman, really. Yeah. But then she usually in things that she's in. I mean, it's almost tiresome but she's very young at this point. I she's don't not showy. No.
4: Out, all of you. Business. I am just in my homework. All of you, out, Beast beasts of the field! Out. Not you, beast of the field!
3: The scene after, I think the single best acted scene in it and best most perfectly realised is the one after Alison Steadman has discovered she's not pregnant. Yes. And there's the scene when she discovers she's not pregnant when she when she's sitting there directing them in the theatre, and then she feels a movement between her legs, and she realises that she's having a period, which is yep. a tiny bit eggy, possibly, but anyway, nevertheless, done, it's done very of, well. It was though. it was done very it, tastefully. As you possibly can, with the face, yeah.
2: I think when I first saw it, I didn't read that scene. No, properly. I wasn't
0: sure
3: what was going on. At, but then, then I thirteen age. or something. It's yeah, a exactly.
0: coming of age film in many but ways. But the yeah.
3: scene <laughs> after she's broken the news to the groundsman and is now restored to her vigorous confident self and is, yes. and is rehearsing the, the scene, the play with them the following evening the sort of poise and alacrity and and energy and happiness and vibrancy and optimism that she's been reborn with, realising that her yeah. life is not in shreds after all she's just incredible she, she just has this kind of briskness which is just like exactly yeah. what a woman who has been given that reprieve in 1948 would have had
4: Very good! Whereupon you dismiss him with a confident smile. A confident one, Duckworth. Do you know how to be confident? I think the author would like it. Is that it? I see. Well, the author will have to be disappointed. Consider yourself dismissed, Whittaker, with a confident smile. Continue, Duckworth.
0: It's, it's- a transformative moment. Yeah. And maybe what you're watching there is, is both uh, the, the two big female leads are having a moment where they shift gear. Yes. And Alison Stebbins is done masterfully, as you'd expect from Alison Stebbins. And Abigail Crutten is done with the inexperience of a 13 or 14 yes, year old. Being asked to do what is a very difficult thing be oh, yeah. one thing, and then because of events, be another thing.
3: I work. remained completely in love with her anyway, definitely a 13 <laughs> no, year you old. Know, it was almost a swap moment.
0: But. Uh... <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> This school, it's filmed at Wimbledon Chase Primary School, which Ofsted says is outstanding, which is good news. It's a state school. But uh, I looked it up and a quarter of 1948 uh, grammar schools were co-ed, which I didn't realise. I thought it was very much a boys and girls thing. Yeah. So this this is a very good depiction of what it would have felt like at the time to be thrusting, because co-education was a fairly newish thing into a situation where your teenage would happen in parallel Um, and I think one of the things that makes this wonderful is its specificity of detail and time, and when you see a teen film that hasn't got that, it's always disappointing because all teenage emotions are pretty much general But what nails it is the references to Dickie Valentine and the cricketers and things that puts it exactly in the class and in the time that it's in. So you know what everyone will behave like. You know what disgrace would befall the teacher if she had the groundsman's baby. All those rules are in place. And I think with any team, John Hughes or anything, clarity of what are the consequences, what's at stake, why are you behaving in such a repressed way around something which is purely natural. I think that's what really stands this up.
3: The scene, you mentioned it glancingly earlier where that one of the girls makes herself available for a quick hug, but literally yeah. just like a sort of grind, like left, right and off. No you hands He yeah. was,
0: <laughs> <It> was <laughs> leaning against just each other. A,
3: yeah. <laughs> and they are in a row, but that feels a completely plausible way for them to diffuse the tension
0: that would <laughs> otherwise exists in that situation. It's, those That sort of thing is... Way why I think it's joyous is you yeah. know how this is going to play out. You said you relate it to your school mm-hmm. and your experiences, but it's clearly about his experiences. Yeah. There's a truth to it, but also a specificity. And I think that's just what this has in common with Hope and Glory and, uh, although, and Gregory's Girl. Yeah. I mean, is that feeling of being a kid at that time. The
3: accuracy and detail, that, I, that was the very first rule. People will be surprised to learn that I've, I've been trained in comedy. but uh, <laughs> With a I stick did, and a I chair. Went to, I went to a uh, sort of weekend course long before I did stand-up about sitcom, and we, it, that was the, the first thing they drilled into us, and John Sullivan's writing was used as the exemplar of the specific always being funnier than the general, the more yeah. specific you can be without yep. going, without descending into pure geekery. Yeah. His
0: expression that the, it's about coming of age and also a, a, a country coming of age, the idea of we've had the war and the future's coming and it's expressed in him saying that everyone will speak Esperanto and have their own teas made. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Esperanto and teas are the two specific details that tell you when this is happening and also his class and the things he's read in Look and Learn or whatever. Yeah.
4: Which means that from now on there never be any more wars, ever again. For the simple raison d'etre, the United Nations will insist there's no more wars. Any country wants to invade another, well, ho, chere, opa, the United Nations will vote against it.
0: You can sense everything about him by him with absolute assurance pronouncing all these things. And one of the lovely things is he goes from complete assurance to complete doubt. Yeah. And his coming of age is partly to do with that lovely thing of losing... A child's sureness. Yeah, and then going, this is complicated.
3: Arguably, that's where he and the girl meet in the middle, isn't it? After after that kind of desire, is is that they have to find they've got some space to compromise between the two of them,
4: and what the world is really like. What do you think was the reason? I don't know. (laughs) You don't know much, then, do you? No, I don't. I know nothing. I used to think I knew everything about everything, the world, and that, but I don't. Maybe I got it wrong. Got what wrong? Everything. Tommy, the world. Maybe it's all lies. What is...? Everything I thought about everything. That is, it's heartbreaking,
3: though, how he tries to convince the groundskeeper, that, uh, that his sacrifices in the war have not been in vain because yeah. they've created a, a brand new, a bold, brave new world, a great new future. He's reading the eagle or and something, And on the one it? hand, he's got all these ludicrously feeble <laughs> technological advances <laughs> Jeez, to, to cheer him up with, and on the other hand, the, the groundsman doesn't deserve any of it anyway because it turns out he, he was a deserter and ran away three hours after the war <laughs> <and> started. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, I, I was interested in that because I think at the time, and what was it, what are we saying, 1983 or something? 82. 82. 82 um, <laughs> I, th- I suppose at the time that was still a fair. There was a degree of moral clarity about being a deserter. I wonder now if you made that now, if people wouldn't have some the sympathy with him. Object or yeah, stuff. yeah. The, I the think, idea that the hmm. war had been a senseless waste anyway.
0: But yeah. I think there's, there's sympathy for him. I don't. I don't read it as something that, no. that the writer thinks he should be shamed for. I think he's, he's saying that. Oh yeah,
3: definitely. He's not like some scoundrel or cat no. or bounder who's tried to sort of present himself as a chestful. Not medals. the philanderer. Yeah, he? no, exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's, he's got this thing where the only person who's built him up to be this war hero is is allen mm. is the kid the kid yeah. thinks this of him and the only place he's got to fall from isn't anywhere he's claiming to be yeah. it's just the kid is talking to him, and brilliantly uh, the groundskeeper just never responds to any of these things yeah. wearily gives the yeah. list of, yeah. of theaters of conflict he hasn't been in <laughs> but there's no sense of him pretending he's not trying to, he's not going to break that kid's heart the kid's going to break his own heart
2: mm. Yeah, yeah. And they're all scared, aren't they? The groundsman yes. was scared of the war. Um, Quack Quack is scared of basically kissing this girl. This girl, girl is scared of not being attractive. And uh, Stedman, Alison Stedman, is scared of being both pregnant and found out for having had an affair with the head teacher. I thought we agreed to draw a veil over the yes. war, Henry, <laughs> <laughs> after what happened on VJ Day.
0: VJ
3: Day as well. Not VE Day. They, yes. day. Yes. they waited. I yes. actually proposed on VE
0: Day. She cracked on VJ well, Day. Well, he
3: was in Burma, remember? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they didn't know that then, I don't think. But I. Love, but they are also, the boys are also scared of having got the world and adult life completely wrong as well, yeah. aren't yeah. they? I think that's yeah. what's in their all, their ludicrously sort of pig Latin type endless, you know, the Tang Yankipa Bang thing is not yeah. an isolated example. They're ridiculously uh, verbose.
2: Osculatory weediosity. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which all sounds yeah. like Harry Potter.
1: It's yeah, it
0: does, very isn't JK Rowling. But yeah, they're showing off. They are they are little boys dressed as men. Mm. And the great thing is that the big hero man turns out to be as scared as them. And it's all about growing up and, and, and stepping into masculinity. And the, the, the rude mechanicals are just, oh, it's stuff and nonsense. Everyone's got their own version of it. And the cricket commentary, these are heroes. And you think, well, cricket's a game. Cricket Games are things that children do. There's mm. the idea of making heroes out of people who, who've carried on playing. Mm. All of it is very nuanced and very clever and very empathetic to the idea that this is all acting. And he gets to be in a play and act. And act yeah. as an old man, as an older man with a musta- false moustache and things. And these kids are beautifully dressed up on stage as grown-ups with... Yep all their uh, affairs and philanderings and things, you're thinking this is a beautiful study, very, very subtle, in the roles people are playing.
2: They're getting the kids to play a play in which the main villain is a philanderer (laughs) and I no longer a philanderer. They they can't have understood this, the 13 and 14 year olds, they wouldn't have known what a philanderer was in 1948 would they? They'd have just known it was basically a bounder of some sort. It's the the wrong play to do. (laughs)
3: Alison Steadman's character (laughs) able to channel all her animosity towards such bounders. (laughs) (laughs)
0: It's it's got, there's that run through it, the idea of sort of people playing roles and what masculinity is. And the other thing that runs through it is the word nature, again and again. And the idea that what's going on here is entirely natural. When he treads on the spider and the pregnant spider Mm. gives out all its babies, and you go, the first sign, he says, I've seen a miracle. What a miracle of birth, a miracle of the cycle of nature. If he can't kiss the girl. Yeah. Then humanity is doomed. There is something <laughs> terrible at stake here, which we all go through. A thing we, if you can't yes. get over your awkwardness about around the opposite sex, if you are heterosexual and want to have children, if you can't get over it, then then there's no, there's no more children.
3: I saw um, yesterday. Yesterday, uh, <laughs> ironically, um, you know the uh, the yes. new uh, yes. uh, uh, mm-hmm. working title movie. And uh, I posted a review on Twitter, so I apologise if anyone's already read it and is going to waste the next 20 seconds, but essentially my point was that perfectly normally for a working title, a a late-period working title movie, they've taken a fascinating concept a proposition, i.e. a man wakes up from a a road accident and is the only one who remembers the songs of the Beatles, absolutely extraordinary, what would the world be like? And then they have focused on perhaps the least interesting aspect of that, which is to say, what would it mean for his non-starter of a relationship (laughs) with a girl he's known for 20 years and has never so much as killed? yet, which I found <laughs> disappointing because the world without the Beatles would not just be a world without the totally. Beatles, you know, they're one of the major. Where Rosenthal is so brilliant is that he does manage to he can refract the whole world through yes. through the tiny microcosm of a of a burgeoning relationship, and also a little life... All his plays, I would imagine, and this may be a thing a playwright might well say, well, that is what plays are about, but they always seem to be about a transition through life stages. This is about coming of age and, to some extent, putting away childish things, to some extent, accepting some of the compromises and the... the, Yeah, the scales fall from your eyes and some of the the gloss wears off of the world. At the other end of stage, he did the, the Eskimo walk was, was one of his, wasn't it? With yeah. Maureen Lippman, one of his last ones, in which, you know, old people send their kids off to, to university and yeah. start to wonder what they're going to do with the rest of their lives. Yes. Now, you know, now yes. they've completed their basic function in nature. And the, cha-
0: the Chain, which is a series of people transitioning from one yes. house to another, from one class to Absolutely. another. Absolutely. It's about and And sweet, sweet,
3: sweet Sunday, another Sunday in Sweet FA, is about a, a man who idolised Dixie Dean actually taking his opportunity as a ref to head a goal at the yeah. end of a match, you know? <laughs> what,
0: what all of these things have in common, which is something which I'm really passionate about as is, as is my wife uh, is that this is drama and yeah. drama can be small and one of the things that's happened to television with the splintering of, of comedy into comedy and being funded by comedy departments and drama into drama is what you've lost is a drama about small things. A drama that's an hour and 17 minutes long these days, to get funded, would need to have a dead body on a beach at the yeah, beginning, yeah. have to have terrorists in it and explosions, to have incredibly high stakes. And what's beautiful about these plays, they're all about very low stakes, yeah. which you just lean towards slightly, and then suddenly realise they're the highest stakes in the world. When, when Dr Foster came out, it was a huge hit. It was because it was just about a marriage was at stake. You don't need to fill an hour no. enormous globe-shattering drama. But you, you do can need to just write just it well, some... don't you? You yes. need
3: to write and act it well, because if you've got a screen full of people going, this is my whole life! Yeah. Don't you see how much this Sorry, matters to that's me? That's bad soap. Oh, God. <laughs> but I think
0: it has it, become the preserve of soap to do yeah. individual life dramas. And what's beautiful, this has got a lot in common with Michael Palin's East of Ipswich, so yes. another beautiful yes. player on that's the same time, where there's very, very little at stake, but I remembered it forever, yeah. because it was about a real thing. And the big risk with, with insisting that drama... Two things. One, that drama be high stakes. And two, that drama be long and run to six seasons and things. He was... Uh, apparently, Rosenthal was a huge anti-long stories. He didn't yeah. like long dramas. He didn't want to write sitcoms. He wanted yes. to write a story, began, middle and end. A slice of people's lives. And they're a blessing to watch. All,
3: all good dramas, I think, are, uh, if they're based on anything that's previously existed, it should be a short story or at the very least a novella. Uh, yeah. you should never go into a full... You know, There's always too much in a novel. I, I think there's a, that, there's a, a place
0: for that. There's places. a place for an epic war and peace thing. Yes, yes. But you have that, is that? 10 hours everything though. is now supposed to be uh, Tolstoy. It's supposed to be abs- You're supposed to be able to go into someone's life, and there will be so much in there that you'll watch it for eight seasons. There's enough in this for an hour and seventeen minutes.
2: Yeah. One of the magic, uh, magical things about the the smallness of this thing, of course, is that to to quack quack. This is his entire world that's at stake. He has got yeah. to get this girl. He yeah. has absolutely got to kiss her. And there's that beautiful speech at the end where he tries to explain to her how he feels about her. You're beautiful, then.
4: Sometimes I look at you and you're so beautiful I want to cry. And sometimes you look so beautiful but it makes me want to laugh and jump up and down and run through the streets with no clothes on, chatting bitang yang kipper-bang in people's letterboxes. But mostly you're so beautiful, even if it doesn't make me cry makes my chest cry.
2: Yeah. And this is how a 13-year-old would, t- would try and yeah. parse the thing in their head that's going, what? I, I'm in love and I this can't never really say it. One. I don't yeah, understand yeah. this.
4: When I walk past your desk, I breathe in on purpose to smell your skin. It's the most beautiful smell there is.
1: It's only yardless. It
4: makes me feel dizzy, giddy. You smell brand new. You look brand new,
2: all of you.
3: It's you know. always the smell of the girl's hair rather than yeah. some more obviously sexualised, you know. Her, lip, her lips are
2: perfect, and then her yeah. nape. Yeah. What's, what's yeah. my nape? Yes. Uh, <laughs> the back of your neck. The back of the neck is termed the <laughs> nape.
0: Termed.
2: Termed. He's still at school. But Listen also, to him. it's the
0: one thing of her she can't possibly ever have seen.
2: No. <laughs> yeah.
0: And also, nape is really telling because it means he sat behind her in class and yeah. stared at the back of the neck. And her inaccessibility has been her face. And, he's, and what he what have done, if you're sitting behind a girl, you're mm-hmm. fantasising about her face. Her actual face, the thing she would have obsessed about in the mirror, having read what in magazines what to look like, he's not really thought about. I- <laughs> he's incredible. Beautiful 1940s puritanism And also yeah. his 13 year old puritanism Is wonderful in that he won't talk about sex He calls sex the other thing He won't even mention yeah. it It's just about kissing And one of the things this has got Which I think he gets completely right Is very often when you do a teen sex thing Or a teen love thing There's this feeling that children Hit a point where they suddenly become sexually active And then become horny Mm. like Porky's or something and you get, yeah. weirdly American most kids pie. most kids are embarrassed well, yeah. they find it enormously embarrassing there's a terrific episode of Freaks and Geeks which is the American series that ha- this has lots in common with because it's about awkward kids where they get to see a porn film for the first time and instead of watching it and going they they slowly back away from it as <laughs> if they're frightened until the it's done in a montage and all you see is their reaction to it and they're in different corners of the room because they're so frightened of it and then they say we'll never speak of this again <laughs> and that's a very Jack Raisin moment and I think that honesty in saying he would not be comfortable with becoming sexual. No. He's got that perfect. It's not about that the girl is denying him access to sex that he wants. He is feeling awkward about this. He doesn't want to do the thing he thinks he, he wants he to wants
4: do. courtly
3: love, doesn't he, yeah. at that point? Yeah, it's sure. romantic. Really, it's it? romantic
0: yes. in the sort of 13th century.
4: So. <laughs> yes. That's why I've always wanted to kiss you. Ever since 3B. Just kiss. Not the other things. I don't want to do the other things to you.
3: Possibly he's picked up the vibe from the groundsman about what can go wrong, you know, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) probably not.
0: Nature is going on, there's a lovely... uh, They're on a nature walk at some point, and the teacher, the sort of very tall, willowy, Mm. sort of slightly starchy Joyce grenfell teacher who's talking about things, and you realise in the background she's talking about reproduction in plants.
5: Females are clusters around the stalks, and the males, globular and pendulous. Duckworth. Duckworth.
4: Well... I didn't hear the question, miss. I didn't ask you
0: one. He's full of... There's fertility everywhere. Yeah. The threat that this is the next thing he's going to have to cope with. And he said, I'll just do kissing and no further. Yeah. I will understand and make a mystery of kissing because I don't want to make the next
2: step. So it's kids who are dealing with the transition into basically... Adulthood, the early stages of it. And, th- and then they, at the end, they have to dress up as adults and be adults in a play, and it's sort of the opposite of Blue Remembered Hills, isn't it? Yeah. Where you've got adults yes. playing kids and, and, and Dennis Potter using them as magnifying glasses, but they're all being used as magnifying glasses here as well, aren't they? I remember the first time I went to big school, genuinely being
3: afraid that if fifth formers were to get into a fight, you know, that one of yeah. them might kill the other one. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> 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 like, what's they were you- like huge... But, dinosaurs. Uh, yeah, it's you like know, watching in, a fight in, between in fantasy, diggers.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these two diggers. You've got to stand well clear because the equipment. You get caught up in the machinery. Wear a high-vis jacket. A fifth formers are fighting. When yes. they get pulled in. And then you get to the fifth form, and you're lucky if you split someone's lip. You know, with all sort of. There was a real fear around. of that. I remember Grange Hill being a terrifying thing to watch. Before mm. I went to senior school, going, again, not
3: watched, not the, allowed.
0: If this was something, if this was what it was going to be like, there's a yeah. real feeling that you're being propelled constantly forwards and it's natural and it's good that, that things are constantly changing and you get it when you look at your own kids and they they start at some point their knuckles start to go like, can I just stay yeah. they start getting fascinated with do you remember when we used to watch Pepper
2: Pig Yeah, and yeah. wanted to
0: sort of find the old toys and things and yeah. nostalgia kicks in very very early especially when Puberty happens, and this, the kind of thing why, where, this Can we why, get off the roller coaster?
3: This is why tribes have a, a ritual. You have yeah. to have a rite of passage. It doesn't just happen. You have to have a, a physical, memorable break.
0: Culturally, we need to have yes. a thing with horns yeah. and, a, and, a, and something where you destroy the toys or we smash everything You're kicked up. Kicked
3: out of a tree, I knew. I think, yeah, like a bear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one of the single, and not in any joking sense, one of the single most terrifying things I ever learned was that at one of the secondary schools I might be sent to when I was leaving my junior school, a school called Marshallswick School in St Albans, Marshallswick School, it was said that a fight had broken out during the lunch hour in one of the classrooms between two boys and there'd been a teacher present, but he was so afraid of his own physical safety that he hid under the desk rather than intervene. That Remains to this day one of the most frightening scenarios I can imagine. That, that Stephen King can make yeah.
2: a novel of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The grown-up who was too scared who to intervene. Too, yeah, yeah. But that, so, that, you, so you'd have gone to secondary school in the late '70s. Seventy-six. I went up. Then yeah. it's perfectly conceivable that that teacher was someone who had fought in World War Two and was seriously fucking traumatised. It could have well have been someone yeah. who. Or he might
3: have just have been a supply teacher who wasn't didn't know the kids and he didn't, you know, not above my pay grade. I don't or know, maybe don't he want to was borrowing. Yeah, he might have been. <laughs> Building yeah. a, Or just a putting nest. on his fighting shoes. <laughs> he came back up, he was oh, over.
0: <laughs> No kicking to be done. But there's, there's a nice sense of this in this, where there are because they're real kids in it, they're cast the right age. There's a lovely big cast of kids, They've got lovely faces, they're very very, very of their time, and they, you yeah. can tell their characters they're beautifully done, and the cast of grown-ups above them, that both of those worlds, the grown-up world and the children's world, are equally lost. Yeah. and incompetent, unable to organise themselves. And that the grown-ups are just playing at being grown-ups as well. The attitude of the headmaster to the to Alison Steadman is of a little moonstruck boy as well. Seems silly calling me when there's no-one else in the room. Please. I never see you these days, Estelle.
4: Those days are over. These days aren't those days. The war's been over a long time now.
0: And all the young men have come marching home again, eh?
4: I thought we'd agreed to draw a veil over the war, Henry.
0: And when you find out that the big man, the big hero of the war isn't a hero of the war, and it was all made up. That's the when the illusions fall from his eyes, is when he gets strong. And the thing he has to learn is that no-one knows. No-one's got this. Which I think is something I'm still learning now. Yeah. When you suddenly see politicians and go, oh, my God, you're absolutely incompetent. And then you think, but well, when I was a kid, they, no, they were just older
3: than you. My, uh, my son, who's now... it will be 12 at the end of this month, July. He said to me about two years ago, um, unprovoked, he said... I'm just starting to realise that you and Mum are not just my parents, you're like real people for yourselves. (laughs) which i couldn't decide if it was if that was well, like will duh, or actually that's quite an extraordinary insight yeah. that feels like that yeah. feels
2: like an extension of the of the thing that happens to children in very very early development which yes. is at some point a baby realizes that there's a point at which it ends and its mother begins yeah. and it's just it's the long goodbye isn't it yeah. Yeah. you know it's that yeah. thing
3: and it is it's very long that goodbye isn't it is it? isn't it, it? Yeah. and object permanence and all those strange things
0: yeah. but my, my wife said one of the most uh, haunting things she ever saw was She was looking at some footage that her mum had filmed when she was a student nurse back in the 60s. And it was cine film. And at some point, her mum turned the camera on herself in a full-length mirror, and she saw her mum at her age. Wow. And she said it it still stays with her. It was a chilling thing. She went, oh, my God, you were me. Yeah. Oh, my God, you were uh, a student, and you were lost, and you didn't know what you were doing. And it was really terrifying and yet thoroughly thrilling. Yeah. And this play is... There's a lot of that in this play of realising that when you realise that the grown-ups are just more children... They are the blue remembered hills because they are just dressed up. They've not got this. That that the grown-ups you're admiring are a war hero who is not really a war hero who ran away, who was scared of doing something, like you're scared of doing something, and that your big hero, John Arlott, is just talking about some men playing a game, a game that you might play with your friends. That they're not really big.
3: No, absolutely. I wonder whether people who are attracted to power and capable of, of seizing it are actually at some level kind of fighting that fear deep down inside, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Even they, you know... Yeah. Prime Minister, President of, of Facebook, or whatever, you know, that you've, you've still got, I don't know what, this is all, it's all on nothing, isn't it? It's all based on nothing, you know, it's all just a big floating turtle. And there's no, <laughs> there's no sense to any of it at all. What if of... just digging a hole, have a, have a stronger grasp?
0: Yeah, well, there's, there's a feeling of that in a lot of Jack Rosenthal's work, that whoever it is who's making something, who's yeah. got their hands dirty,
1: yeah.
0: they've got some sense that the, the, the horny handed sons yeah. of toil have got an understanding of the real world. So it, it's the bin men, Funny it's, enough. The, it's, the, it's the firemen. Yeah. It's the guys driving the removal truck who've got a real philosophical sense. Cab we're, drivers. The cab drivers, and it's the guys yep. digging the hole. It's the guy in Ready When You Are, Mr McGill, who's painting a long wall. At the end of the day, they've achieved nothing at all in Ready When You Are, Mr McGill. That the film crew have mo- wasted their time making a, a drama that wasn't worth making, and the extra has fluffed his line or will be cut out. No one's achieved anything, but all the way through it, you've seen a wall being painted. At the end of it, it's undeniable that man painted a wall. Yeah.
3: <laughs> the funny thing is, in, in the two plays that I watched, Kipper Bang and, and Another Sunday, the exact same operation is being pursued, which is to paint white lines onto sports fields. <laughs> yeah, of course, that's yeah, what yeah, the yeah, groundsman yeah. is doing, yeah. and then yeah. Yeah, there's a fellow doing it with, a, with all the All you can truck. achieve, yeah. <laughs> all we can achieve
0: as human beings is, is to, to, make to build a wall... arbitrary
3: markings on us, <laughs> <laughs> to say this, in, everything inside this is the game, yeah, and well, outside of that is not...
0: Well, you know, Stonehenge, What are you going to leave behind? Yes. You'll leave behind a wall, a painting, uh, you'll have moved some stuff from A to B. Yeah. Physical work is all that's really happening Which is the great anxiety of a playwright, I suppose. Maybe that's it? it. He's expressing...
3: My, my father has always said, he's 89 now and has kept his sanity remarkably well, and he has always said that you need to have a hobby where you use both your hands and ideally, you know, cross them over at some point. Or into, <laughs> into you know... <laughs> They have to work with one another. So <laughs> skipping, for instance, won't do it. You, he builds model aeroplanes, does pottery, has made paper and yeah. turning things on a lathe and stuff. But he says this is the only way to re- restore your sanity. At the end of the day, when you spend all day in your head, yeah. you need to bring everything back to what you can do with your hands. This is and, and, you know, it, just in terms of um, the evidence in front of my eyes, it, it seems to have kept him going. I think there's something to be said for that. <laughs>
0: this film particularly this play is about someone who's living in their mind is living yeah. in there and it's it's about him it's clearly yeah. autobiographical
2: in places it's very very heartfelt weirdly in his autobiography he spends about a page and a quarter on it, and none of it is to do with the background of it. He doesn't oh, talk about where it came from. Whereas, obviously, something like Bar Mitzvah Boy, yeah. which is nakedly autobiographical, he could talk about that. I mean, he made a whole documentary based around it. But th- this hardly gets a mention. Maybe for some he reason.
0: said everything about this period in this play. Yeah, maybe this is
2: what it felt like to be a little boy on the verge of that. And and there's a
0: feeling in it of. What's happening to these boys of this generation, maybe? I mean, what's lovely. What's happening to the boys of this generation is that they are being given this new world. The mm. war has been won. It's 1948. What are you going to do with it? And they're going, he's going, world peace. And this is what, oh, it's my responsibility to step up to the plate and make good with what I've been given by the heroes who've done this for me. My, these great men, and it's men, it's always men. These mm. great men, what they have done. I've got, I've got this to step in, and I'm too frightened to hold a girl's hand. Am I really a man? Who am I? And then. The answer is, that wasn't his job. That You feel the weight of expectation on them, and yet it's telling this story in such a small way. And maybe what we are remembering, loving about this, and why it is still beautiful to watch, is that it's a really small story about a really big thing. big moment in this kid's life, and a big moment in history. What was this generation going to do? And the answer was... They were kind of still quite timid yeah. and still quite childlike. And if you were going to say what were the baby boomers like, yeah. they were a bit like this. He
3: wasn't going to smash it out for a six at the last <laughs> no, moment. Not it at was all. yeah, it was a quick single. Yeah, this <laughs> was of, enough. Yeah. This
0: is after the Greatest Generation. Yeah, and the answer yeah. is what you're going to do. Well, to be honest, it probably wasn't as good as building a wall or digging a
2: hole. But it is all lovely and you know, there's a sunniness about it. Isn't yeah, it? you know, it's a beautifully yeah. sunny film, and the uniforms are all yellow and green, so they're all in you know well colours of fertility. The thing yeah. mentioned Mm. earlier, you know, so obviously it was it's from a time of great optimism
3: It was yes. convalescence, wasn't it, I suppose, after the war Yeah, yeah. I suppose so, yes. I
2: often think convalescence is the single happiest
3: state to be in I don't know if you've <laughs> ever had that moment where you realise you're not going to die and everyone has yeah. it on a really bad hangover It's probably the most frequent <laughs> yeah. you know, Four it, in the afternoon it, Suddenly it just lifts half a pound of weight from Humanity your right. at its best uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> We got
2: through the war I made we it got
0: through it yeah, it's I got. Made it. it has got that feeling of new life yeah. about it, which I think maybe yep. that's what we're tapping into. The spiders. Yeah, the, the, the nostalgia <laughs> for this is going. I remember when it was terrifying that so much was about to happen. Yeah, and it's a lovely feeling to dip into, and to go. Well, I got there. I survived.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and so exactly. did he.
0: Everything's about about to come, and, and you don't know whether you're going to make it, but there's this hope.
2: Yeah, yeah, He and he goes to the wicket a boy and comes back a man, doesn't he, you know? It's what a, beautiful.
0: What a beautiful moment to end. Thank you so much for bringing Jack Rosenthal and Patangan Kipperbank, Simon.
2: Thank you very much for inviting Thank me Thank you, in. Simon.
5: And Duckworth, and Duckworth, and Duckworth has done it. He glances the ball calmly past fine short leg for a single. England have won the most dramatic victory in the history of cricket. And for that record breaking 365 not out that won it, the entire crowd, and I'll wager the entire nation, rises to its feet in homage to Cret Cret Duckworth, who went to the wicket aboard and came back a man. He'll be starting shaving next, then spending the rest of his life trying to stop the bleeding.